Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz are back in action tonight. The Philadelphia 76ers are in town. You know the Jazz are 4-3 now, which, um, I don't know, not surprising, not great. Want to be a little better, need to protect the home floor, need to beat some good teams. Now, I got to say, when they beat Phoenix, I didn't think they were beating a good team. But, you know, if Phoenix is going to go out and win five of their first seven, then I guess that was a really good win. So I have to kind of let that play out. It's kind of college footballish. You know, you think you know what a good win is and you think you know what a bad loss is. But then when it plays out, wow, well, maybe that uh, maybe that win over the Suns is really a good one when it really, you know, plays out. Maybe that... Lost to USC was horrific because they're five and four. Anyway, all right, let's start off with a little football this morning, though. Hugh Freeze, head coach at Liberty. Are they good? No. They are six and three, though. The record's nice, uh, but they have largely lost power five teams and then beaten uh, a couple of lower division teams, a couple of uh, um, FCS teams. And you'll hear Hugh talk about that with PK and I that Liberty's making the move up. And they've recruited some FCS guys. And that defense is probably going to get pushed around by BYU. Now, they may not humiliate themselves because their offense can score points. Um, They hung 63 on UMass. So however non-competitive you think this game might be, well, brace yourself for UMass because that's going to be worse. All right, here's Hugh Freeze. Also interesting to talk to him to get, you know, this is a guy who coached it, was six or seven years at Ole Miss, and before that he did a year as a head coach at Arkansas State. And before that he was working his way up through the ranks as an assistant. So interesting to get his takes on BYU's running game, BYU's quarterback play, the differences and similarities between the three quarterbacks. Here's Hugh Freeze. Hugh, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? We are doing well. Uh, A couple of independents playing late in the year. It works out because they think when you're an independent, uh, scheduling in November is always difficult. And I'm I'm curious, you've been in football for a long time, but you're probably used to conferences. And we've been talking about it with BYU for almost a decade now, the unique challenges independence presents. How are you finding independence to be different than life uh, in a conference? You know, it's uh, it's quite interesting to me that um, this is my first experience with it and you know I, I kind of of the mentality that that realistically there's probably I don't know what you would say but I would guess there's only six to you know eight teams in the nation on a given year that realistically have a chance to you know win the national championship and that and eight may be a stretch it's probably more like six and so the the you know my approach is kind of the rest of us are just playing for bowl eligibility and, um, you know, I think it's uh, the positives of it are you get a variety of experiences for your student-athlete. And um, does it present some challenges in scheduling, particularly later in the year? Yes. And, um, you know, right now we're not uh, – I, I wish we, you know, have played BYU earlier in the year, you know, because we're now at the end of the year and we've got BYU and Virginia back-to-back, which are teams that could – you know, at this stage of our program, could could beat you up physically, and and you know, and we need to win the last game of the year. Um, you know, if if things don't go our way in the BYU or Virginia game, and and you could be beat up. So it's uh, it presents a challenge in scheduling. I'm still kind of new to it, so I don't know exactly how I feel about it totally, but um, I do think that there may be more that join the independent ranks. As it as time goes on, 
and um, you know we're happy to the scheduling part is the hardest thing and I, I don't really get involved in that a lot um, you know I don't think we're you know all of us that I guess we would consider ourselves a group of five school um, you know and I've coached at a group of five school before in the Sun Belt and you know your your whole deal is how many of these power fives do we have to bite off every year mm-hmm. you know and um, when you become an independent like we did and move up to FBS, you know, you're just trying to get a schedule. So our first few years are very challenging and difficult. Yeah, and this is the third of four consecutive road games that you have now. The Virginia game, you do have a bye before you have to go over there, and obviously that's a much shorter trip than it is to come out to BYU, so you do end with a very difficult schedule. Uh, Looking at your team, though, you know, you've built up to this opportunity to to be bowl eligible this year at, at this level. It's your first time, and as I look at your team, it's good to have, I would imagine, senior quarterback Calvert, and then uh, you've got a receiver, Gandy Golden, who has put up 1,000 yards repeatedly. Can you speak to the quality of those two kids? Yeah, those two are, are obviously kids that are kind of making us go. You know, our offense is centered around, you know, those two guys. And, uh, you know, uh, Calvert last year, through for some yards, but through so, so many interceptions and turned the ball over. Um, and, and I'm real proud of the work he's put in, along with our staff, to to change that. And, and you know, and he has, and he hasn't. Uh, he's he's really taking care of the ball well. And obviously, uh, AGG's. I've got a lot of receivers I've coached that are in the league right now, and and AGG's going to join them. He's he's very very talented, and uh, you know will be an NFL player one day. So our our offense kind of goes through those two guys. As you get ready for BYU, you probably noticed they've had plenty of quarterback injuries and played three different quarterbacks. How many of them have you really studied prepping for this game, and and what are the differences between these guys in your view? Well, it's a great challenge. You know, I know that the original starter, you know, possibly could be back. So that's, you know, an unknown. I haven't heard, you know, whether he is or not or don't know if we will hear. But and then I know they had a concussion last week with with another kid. And uh, so we've seen all three of them play. Um, I don't think that they change who they are a whole lot. Do I think each of them have different strengths? Yes, but. Um, you know, the system is the system pretty much, I think, with um, with what they run, and they do very, very good at it. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge for us just not – if you just start with the physical nature of the game, uh, the size advantage that they have uh, from an offensive line perspective against our defense and defensive line against our offensive line is, is where I think the, the major battle uh, is for us. It's an uphill battle. Um, but, you know, quarterback-wise, they're all three, you know, have done good things when they've been in there. And so um, I'm sure, you know, Kalani feels, you know, um, good about using all three if he has to because, you know, all of them have produced results. So, I mean, he's blessed to have those, and it's tough for us to prepare a little bit. But uh, the good thing is I don't think that they change the identity of the offense a whole lot. As you build this program, Coach, to this level, this being your first season, the stuff that I've read is that depth obviously is an issue. Is that some of the reasons you've had some high-scoring games? Is Maybe defensively there might be some fatigue and uh, teams wearing your guys down since you don't have yeah, that depth? Yeah, and, and we've, we've suffered injuries on that side of the ball. And, 
you know, it's nobody's fault. I mean, but the, the reality is that uh, most of the 85-man roster, scholarship roster here was, you know, recruited to play FCS football. Right. And so you, you it's nobody's fault. That's just what we were. And, um, and now, you know, you're playing a 10-game schedule against FBS opponents, and, man, depth is an issue. And particularly if you suffer a few injuries, like we have defensively, we've been fortunate offensively and haven't uh, had many. But boy, defensively we've had a rash of them, and and so I do think that that shows up in in your performance uh, on the field. And but you know, as coaches, you never have a. It's just a next man up mentality, and you've got to get ready the ones that can physically play, and, uh, and that's that's the kind of the approach we've taken. BYU's running game has taken a uh, a pretty big hit here with injuries. They've gotten kind of gotten creative to keep that thing going. Uh, when you look at their running game and your ability to defend their running game, uh, what do you think about your front seven's ability to match up against that O line? Well, it's like I said, I think that's the you know the tallest task we have is is trying to figure out ways to you know uh, keep them from totally controlling the the game. In that regard, you know, we had that same challenge at Rutgers. You know, we were able offensively, we only had eight possessions and scored 34 points, but uh, they kept the ball 41 minutes. And, um, you know, I see this as, as a similar task of how do we, you know, get off the field and win some first downs where it's not, you know, a five-yard gain, a three-yard gain, a three-yard gain, and that clock's steadily running because, you know, you know, just on paper alone, the – uh, the physical nature of their offensive line against our D line is, uh, you know, appears to be an advantage. So we've got to play extremely hard and and with great pad level and try to manipulate the box some to to try to stop that. And they're very creative too, you know, where I mean every run they have has a reverse off of it or a reverse pass or I mean you know they they've gotten really creative and so. They present you a problem with if you do want to put extra people in the box, you've got other issues to worry about. So, you know, I tip my hat to them. They've done a good job. Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll, uh, we'll see you this weekend. Uh, thanks so much, guys. There's Liberty coach Hugh, Fle- Hugh Freeze with BYU about a two-and-a-half touchdown favorite over the Liberty Flames this Saturday. And, you know, a lot of times these games that are uh, <clears throat> against lesser opponents, some might call them – Bad games. A lot of them end up at 8.30 on ESPNU Buried, but 5.30. Somebody did BYU a solid right there. 5.30, it'll be a little warmer. If you're coming down from Davis County, and I know BYU season ticket holders from Davis County, they hate the 8.30 games. The traffic, the long drive back, they just hate it. So, But a 5.30 game that's going to end at about 9 o'clock... You know, you can get home at 10.30 or so. So, not bad. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, players, Utes and Cougars, looking back and looking ahead. Gunnar Romney, Nick Ford, Samson Nakua, all coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from some college football players. Gunner Romney. Ah, oh, the Romney brothers. Hooking up on touchdown passes. As BYU beat Utah State, and now they got three games out of win. They ought to be 7-4 and four going to San Diego State for the finale. The chance to sweep the Mountain West schools. A chance to uh, win six in a row and be 8-4. But first things first, they got to beat Liberty. Here's Gunnar Romney with the media. What is this experience like for, for you and your family over the last couple of weeks? Man, it's been it's been awesome just being able to go through this with my family. Not not it's not just my brother; it's my family too. Like all of them, just being proud of us. I'll get like four or five different calls every single day from family members, just saying how cool it is, like how uh, how much fun they're having watching us play on Saturdays, and it's been it's been really cool going through it. When Give you, us a good story of uh, Baylor growing up that maybe illustrates his <laughs> kind of competitive nature. Um, Baylor. Anything happen that stands out? You know, he's a he was he was a pretty late bloomer in high school. Um, I think uh, he'll he'll tell you the same thing. His freshman year, he was he was a third string quarterback on the freshman team, but uh, that that hasn't stopped him, and he just kept working. He's one of the hardest working people I know, and I, I think it's it's showed here too. He started third string this season, and and uh, but it just. His, his whole entire life, he's just been working, and he's just been he's been consistent in everything he does. And um, obviously, that kind of, that type of work work ethic is not going to go unnoticed. And eventually, it's the it's going to rise to the top. And so, I think it's it's really showed with Baylor, and uh, all that hard work is paying off. We heard that you guys have been working on that goal line play quite a bit. Mm-hmm. How did, when did you know it was going to work? And just take us through that. Um, I mean, yeah, we've we've been we've been practicing that play for months since the beginning of fall camp. Um, and uh, that's in the game. That's the best it's ever worked. It's worked better than even against the scout team in practice. Um, but as soon as we got out there, we saw the defensive look, and it was man to man. So we knew it was going to work. Talent Shumway, he made a great block. He pretty much sealed two people off. And so it was. It was as soon as I went out there, and it was going to be a touchdown. What was running through your mind when you saw Baylor go out to, to take that nail down at the end of the first half? Where were you thinking, man, is, is he now yeah. suddenly the guy? Yeah, so I, I, I didn't know that something happened to Jaron. So when I saw him go out there, I was, I was kind of shocked. Um, but we knew we knew Baylor was going to get some reps. We practiced uh, different packages and stuff with him throughout the week. And so uh, it was it was kind of weird. And then at halftime, they told us that Baylor was the guy for the second half. And so it kind of everybody kind of uh, – nobody was, it was really uncomfortable. Baylor had – he – played great last week and so everybody was ready for it and they knew he could step up and do a good job when things weren't going so well the coaches had said that you know, the offense needs to execute better well we're starting to see that the offense has executed better what do you attribute the change in such a short period of time um honestly i think it's just the mindset that everybody has um we we kind of just been more buckled in the last couple of weeks and everybody's just been kind of uh um, more la- there's been laser-like focus in our practices and stuff. Everybody is, it's kind of, uh, we're, we're more comfortable with it. Everybody's kind of like uh, having fun with it. I think that's, that's what it is. Um, everybody just feels relaxed and everybody's got it, got it down now. So it's been going good. Baylor said after the game that he tackled you on the sideline. He didn't initially know it was going to go to you, but when it actually happened, yeah. how, how is he at tackling? Um, he's, he should stay a quarterback for sure. <laughs> Defense isn't really his thing, so he should he should uh, stick a quarterback. They made a lot in the television broadcast and that about that he's not on scholarship. Does that wear on him? Just kind of does he bring it up a lot, or is that? I mean, it's thing? yeah, it's 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 hard being a walk on. I mean, you have to go through um, the the amount of time that we spend for practice and stuff, and so 
Um, it's it's been hard on him, but he's he's handled it extremely well, and he's he's just been he's been as I said before, he's a hard worker, and so he's he's been handling it really well. So we haven't gotten to talk to him very long, so sorry about these questions. But it's all good. Does his wife work? How do they kind of make it? Um, yeah, so she's on the track team. She's on the track scholarship here, and so they uh, they both kind of work summers, work off season, try to make enough money to save up. So they've, they've been they've been doing well with it. How's the season going for you personally? Um, it's been it's been good so far. Um, I've been I uh, just been doing my thing so far, and things have uh, things have been going good. How do you feel as an offense to have a game where you put up you know forty two points and you know, over six hundred yards, and to finally have that click because it just hadn't seemed to all click and mesh like it did last week. Yeah, it's it's really cool just to finally be able to see the production come come out like that. It was, a, it was a great game for us all around, rushing game, uh, passing game, just all around. And so I think it really builds the confidence of the offense. And so going through the next couple of weeks, I think we're, we're going to try and play off of that and just try and try and replicate what we did. What changes have taken place in the offensive philosophy? I mean, it seems like it's a more aggressive approach, but what changes have, have you noticed from your role? Um, honestly, not that much. It's, it's, it's sort of been the same throughout the year. I think we're finally just starting to click, so it's starting to look a lot better um, on film. But uh, we've, we've, we've all just been just focusing on our roles a little bit more and just kind of uh, everybody doing their job, and it's, it's really starting to show. How would you say your personality is different from Baylor? Um, I wouldn't say we're too different. We're, everybody in the locker room always jokes about how we're the same person. Okay. But, yeah, so as, as hard as, like, as weird as it may sound, I think he's even a little bit more quiet than me, which is, which is kind of hard. But... It's, it's funny. Is that kind of reflected in his play? Because he seems like he's a pretty cool guy when he's on yeah, the field. Yeah, for sure. I think it really shows. Um, he got out there, and it, it looked like he was just just throwing around like outside with nobody watching. And I think that just shows he's just such an even-keeled guy. Like Nothing really gets to him. Nothing really affects him. And he he's, doesn't show his emotions. And so I think it, it's actually, it actually helps him. How, how valuable is that when he's been in a situation where he doesn't know week to week, you know, with Zach and then with Jaron and then, you know, the injuries and it's like, am I going to be in, am I not, you know, competition, all that. How much has that helped him to have that mentality? Yeah, I think it's, it's, been, it's been huge. Just uh, so when he gets thrown into the moment like he has been, it, it's not too much for him and he can, he can handle it. But at the same time, when, when his name isn't called on the sideline, he doesn't get too down on himself and he knows that this time is coming and he can just have that that same mentality throughout the entire thing and not get too high or too low. So if you were a quarterback, would you rather have the name Buckshot or Baylor? <laughs> a Buckshot is pretty cool. I'd, I'd rather have that one, if we're being Especially honest. Especially if he's throwing to Gunner. <laughs> <laughs> There's BYU's Gunner Romney. All right, now, let's hear from a Utah receiver. These guys have been taking a big step forward and continuing to improve not just season to season, but throughout the course of the season. Kyle Whittingham, if you listen to him when we played him yesterday, talked about how multiple guys made difficult catches, catching a ball that's behind them, uh, correcting a route in an error for a ball that was a little off target, whatever it is, go get the ball. And they made a lot of plays. Not only did they convert third six, third and seven, which is hard to do. Those are those are good conversions. They converted third and 12. I mean, they got out of some bad holes and kept drives alive on scoring drives against Washington. The receivers came up big. Here's Samson Nakua on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, coming off this uh, you know, huge program-changing win, maybe, uh, what, what's the vibe been like in the, in the lock? Um, the vibe is just keep it going. Um, we've we've had a roll going from uh, 
I don't know when it started, but we've had it going and we just wanted to keep it going, really. Everyone's feeling good and everyone just feels like we need to steady right now for the team ahead of us and just be ready. Can you describe the adrenaline rush that went through your body when you made that diving catch on third and relatively long for the first down? Uh, my thought process was just Puka. I was like, I hope Puka's watching. <laughs> and they give him a little shimmy after it. And I was like, yep, yeah, it's good. And I was like, I, I hope he scored now for it. Got him in the red zone. Let's just score the ball now. <laughs> you know, there were a lot of big plays in the passing game, and it was with a lot of different receivers, and a lot of them came on third and medium or third and long. And they're the kind of plays that didn't get made the last year or two. Why is the group so much bigger? In, so much better in bigger moments this year? Um, I think it's just a trust between the offensive coordinator, um, the quarterback, and the receivers. Um, we've put so much uh, time into our route structures, our deep balls. Um, this summer, during our bye week, the first that first bye week, we came out just as quarterbacks and uh, skill and just been practicing. And uh, we feel like we just trust each other, and then Snoop just gives us the opportunity, and uh, we just try and go make the play. It seems like there's a level of confidence, even if you get bumped off your route a little bit or if the throw's not exactly perfect. Just the, the, the desire and the ability to just go get the ball. It's in the air. Go get it, whatever goes wrong. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, just me and my little brother Puka were taught since we were young. Um, like a rebound almost. Uh, we played basketball, so it's like just go up for it. We're much bigger than everyone, taller. Usually the doobies we go against are probably like six foot, 5'11". So uh, try to use our length to our advantage and just go body someone. This team has dealt with hype since day one. Now it's at an all-time high. People are talking college football playoff, Rose Bowl, Pac-12 championship. Do you still continue to block all of that out? Or do you, now you have a bye week, do you allow yourself to enjoy it a little bit and kind of soak it in? Um, I think today's a g- good day to just soak it in, maybe go up there, enjoy our victory meal, and then uh, Tuesday comes around, go back to the film and start studying UCLA. Um, we're not done yet. Anything can happen in the Pac-12. we got to win out these next games and make sure we can get where we want to get. So that's our main focus is UCLA next. How big a warrior has Tyler Huntley been? I mean, Kyle said that 90% of the guys wouldn't even have played against Cal. He's still hobbling and playing at a high level. Exactly. Um, it just shows his uh, his development over the years and his, uh, his leadership. Uh, it just developed each year being with him. And um, this year, uh, being hurt again, coming from another injury, and then actually stepping in still and playing and uh, leading us still and uh, being a great quarter and making passes when he needs to. And uh, it's just amazing to be, be by his side and able to play with him. What did you say to Puka after the game? Um, I told you, uh, I, I told him I told you so. I was like, bro, I, I knew it from the gate, and uh, he was just smiling. He just told me great play, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> How worried were you at 14-3? to three? Um, Not worried. Um, I just think we, uh, the offense just didn't, we weren't awake yet. We uh, just started off a little slow, and I knew our defense was going to pick it up too. Um, and I just kept telling him every time we came off, uh, just keep trudging away, do what you need to do, do your little part, and uh, it will come along in the end. When Tyler took off on that touchdown run, were you surprised how fast he was able to run, given that he's not 100%? Um, no. Um, with him being a competitor he is, I know he's going to go 100%, maybe 110%, even if he's not. He's going to move, and he's just going to keep moving. And uh, when, he, when he took off, I was like, that's a man I need. That's a man I know right there. <laughs> he knew it was the go-ahead touchdown. It was the goal line. He blocked everything else out. Yeah, everyone knew it was going in for him. <laughs> Not only did I talk with Samson Nakua, I also talked with Nick Ford, and I wish you could see the look on his face when I talked to him about play calling in this interview. He just lights up. You know, we always talk about, are the receivers better? Yes. Is Huntley better? Yes. Has a new offensive coordinator made a big impact? Yes. All those things are true. And what it leads to when everybody's on the same page, it goes without saying Zach Mouse is awesome. I guess I left him out there. But all those things on the same page that 
it's at the point now where the players are stepping into the huddle, maybe even thinking about what they want the play call to be, but hearing the play call and thinking, yeah, that's going to work, and already being in a good mood when they turn and go to the line. Here's Nick Ford on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So I'm really curious what happened over the course of the Washington game because obviously it seemed like their front seven had the upper hand on you early and you were able to turn that. What was the change? Uh, really wasn't much of a change. Um, you know, we had... <laughs> um, we had, we had... The team's running by patting him on the butt. <laughs> he doesn't need that. See, he got no shirt off. Uh, it really wasn't much of a change. You know, our guys are physical. Uh, our front five, you know... It, it's across the board, Darren, Braden, Orlando, myself, and Simi, uh, we're very physical, capable guys. Um, you know, Washington knew that. If you look at their film from prior weeks, they had maybe three, four D linemen in and, you know, had two, three linebackers. But this game, they traded out one of those linebackers for an extra lineman to try to get some run defense and kind of condense everyone down to the box and, you know, kind of try to get rid of our inside zone and stuff but I mean at the same time you know we're physical and determined so we don't care what front you run we're gonna do what we want to do. So with them changing the front and maybe blitzing a little bit some twists and that was that part of the problem in some of those early possessions? Yeah I believe so just because um, like Bam and uh, Johnny don't have as much game time experience so they uh, you know the change on the fly like that was kind of you know something different but um they those two have definitely a bright future and are very uh capable of doing what uh the rest of us do was there any doubt in your mind when it was 14 to 3 no no this team it, it doesn't matter the only, the only doubt that's going to come in my mind is when the clock reads zero zero in the fourth quarter you know i don't care what the score that's the first quarter second quarter halftime this team's going to play to the very end so you're down 14 3 and you get a drive going and it was a pretty steady diet of Zach Moss. He ran it, he ran it, they threw it to him, and he crushed a couple guys. How much does that energize you guys up front when you see him go by you and running that way? That's a, it energizes all of us. You know, we all feed off each other. Um, you know, it starts with the offensive line, you know, opening holes up for Zach um, and them running that tight front and stuff, trying to kill our inside zone game. And we established that inside zone game saying, you know, we don't care that you're doing this. We're going to run the ball. And, you know, Zach being an amazing playmaker, we make our blocks. He goes to the second level and goes to the second level. Um, you know, then that starts building the confidence for everyone. We feed off him. He feeds off us. Tyler sees that. He starts gaining confidence. Or receivers see that. They get happy. They say gaining confidence. So, you know, it's, it's all a, a, like a butterfly effect from, you know, one play to the next. How much did the pick six change the mood on the sideline? Well, it changed it a lot. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Jalen's a great player. Um, and we got that we got that two-point conversion. But Pac-12 needs some, <laughs> some ends on camera to some because that, that call was not good. Yeah. And then in the fourth quarter, it looked like at that point – the offense as a group just seemed to have a tremendous amount of confidence. Really, almost nothing went wrong on those two touchdown drives that put the game out of reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, our offense is always going to have that confidence. We, we all play with a chip on our shoulder, and you can see that it's apparent. Our own line's physical. Our running backs are physical. Tyler makes great decisions. Our, our receivers get open and sh uh, take a fair share of catching the ball and making plays. And 
Um, you know, we have Coach Ludwig uh, calling some great play calls up above. So, I mean, we all have our part in saying that. So when those calls come in and you hear them, even before you get to the line, you already know what's going to happen oh, yeah. in the fourth quarter on those drives? Oh, yeah. There, there's, cer- there's certain things that he calls and stuff and certain plays that we're good at. When we hear it, we're like, oh, yeah, this is going to hit. Yeah. So uh, you're supposed to, you know, put this behind, focus on the process the next game. But it's a bye week, and that was a big win. Plus you got help with USC losing. Is it a little different mood on Monday right now than it – has been on other Mondays? Uh, yes and no. You know, that, that win, it, it's one of probably one of the biggest wins in the program's history. Um, uh, you know, our, our go to every week is going to be the same. This week, it being a bye, you know, we get to lay low, um, you know, take care of our bodies, get in, watch extra film, and do things, um, you know, that, that'll help us in the long run that we can't do on a regular week. Um, and all we're worried about is, you know, taking care of ourselves right now. Then we have next week uh, UCLA and, you know, taking care of them going one and know. Thanks a lot. Good luck. No problem. Thank you. There's Utah offensive lineman Nick Ford. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Lincoln Kennedy from the Pac-12 Network. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, time to talk Pac-12 football, Utes, Huskies, and Ducks with Lincoln Kennedy. Pac-12 Network Analyst, he joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Do we really have to talk about ducks? I mean, it's, it's, it pains me to talk about the ducks. Yeah. But, hey, good morning, guys. What are you going to do? You know, they were what picked, are you do? They were picked to Every win the North. Got his day. And the only team that could stop them now is Oregon State. What? Makes sense. <laughs> Oregon would have to get upset, and then Oregon State would have to yeah. win the uh, the game they call the Civil War, and Oregon State would be in the title game, and uh, Larry Scott would drop to his knees and cry. <laughs> Pretty much true. <laughs> but but you know, in reference to the to the Utes and Dogs, that was a very entertaining game for a number of reasons. One. You know, I've been waiting for this Utah team to finally put together a a truly signature win that that defines the tenacity of what Coach has done has been able to do there over his his tenure, and and really, you know, to, to in all honesty, to show you fans or give you fans that they know how to finish a season, and and they put it together. I mean, the, the first half went the way it did, but. Turning it around, making adjustments, playing harder, and finalizing or seeing it through in the second half uh, is what I saw of that Utah football team. And, and even as a Husky fan uh, and a Husky alumni, um, it was it was it was rewarding. It was a good game. I was proud of you guys. We obviously watch every single play of every game for the Utes, and one of the more startling developments is the just the brilliance of Tyler Huntley. You know, as a senior, you expect him to get better each year, but in all honesty, I did not expect him to be this good. He has been sensational. What level of surprise do you have as far as his play this year? 
I think it's, if you look over the tenure of his time there at Utah, just the natural progression from when he came in. We talked, we were doing this stuff a couple of years back. Um, you know, his not being able to, to scan the field or had a strong arm, had potential, but just used his legs and got hurt a couple of times. That sort of natural pro- progression and maturity, and sort of, and also understanding what his talents and the people around him and how to use it. You've got to run game, but you, the big thing when you talk about, especially in the second half, was time of possession. And that takes a very smart quarterback along with the teamwork of the offensive coordinator and, more importantly, just a, the total outing of your offense. Um, but, the, but time of possession and controlling the clock and picking up you know, big third downs, keeping the chains moving, that's a, that's a true sign of maturity. And you don't see it out of a lot of quarterbacks because in today's game everything seems to be rushed. Um, but, but as far as development and maturity, I, I, I think the, the world of Huntley, I think he did a great job. You know, all those things make sense, but even if I thought everything came together, I didn't think he'd be completing 73 or 74% of his passes while pushing the ball down the field. They run some deep stuff. They run a lot of medium-range stuff. It's not all, you know, short Dinkin and Duncan. But you're a former offensive lineman. I'm curious what you thought about this. Nick Ford, a Utah offensive lineman, was talking about the confidence they got um, as the game was going along. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you hear a play in the huddle and already know, and he started to get this smile. And, you know, sometimes when you're talking to me, you're just, it's four minutes, I'm just going to get through it, and I'll be done, right? But he got this smile, and you could just see that he was standing in the huddle, and he was actually hearing play calls and thinking, I knew that was going to be a big play. When, it, when everyone's on the same page, do you get that? Is it pretty rare in football? Do you get it pretty often where you're standing in the huddle and you just already know this is going to be big? It really is fun because in my, in my experience, um, when you reach that sense of maturity or the game hits it, they, they, they use the, the saying that it slows down where everything seems to be in slow motion. And it's exactly true. When you're clicking and you're running in with such a rhythm, no matter what you call, you know it's going to work to some degree, the game slows down and it looks like you're seeing it in slow motion. With that being said, when you have this type of experience, especially a quarterback, and I love the intermediate passing game that the Utes have. I really do because you don't see a lot of it. You either see, you know, you take some long shots with 50-50 balls or, or you see you want to, you know, dank sideline to sideline, as you mentioned, the, the, short, the short game. But I love the intermediate passing game. But when you're in a huddle and you know that you've got things going on and you have that sort of just vibe about you, that if, um, you know, look, if we keep this yeah, as an offensive lineman, if we keep him standing up, he'll be able to do his job. We'll be able to move the ball. Uh, I, I think that's really a great thing, a great jail. And, and it's, it really is fun. really makes football fun. So do you see any way either of these two teams, speaking of the Ducks or Utes, lose until they play each other in the conference final next month? Well, it's, it's, there's always potential for letdown, but I'm hoping not. And the reason why is because I really do want the pack to perform in, uh, in the college playoff. And, and I just, if both of the teams, the Utah the Utes and the Ducks run the table and the, the winner of that game, I can't, I, I'm not saying it's impossible. And, and there are scenarios where you would, I'd be frustrated if it happened. But if the winner came out um, of that and was not in the playoff, I'd be very disappointed. See, I think that if – and it, the great thing about college football is in November, there's usually some shocking scores. Just, just totally surprises. But if there are no surprises, I think the team that wins, if Utah and Oregon are 11-1, and the, the winner that's 12-1 and is going to be sixth in the college football rankings unless there's surprises and chaos in front of them. Now, how much higher they get just depends on how much chaos and how many surprises. But don't you think the Big Ten champ, the SEC champ – uh, Clemson, 
assuming either Baylor's undefeated or if Oklahoma's a one-loss Big 12 champ, uh, and then whoever loses the LSU-Alabama game. I, I think there's at least five teams in front of the Pac-12 champ. Yeah, and that's, and that's a scenario that you have to play with. Uh, uh, to me, there's only one team that really, you know, that if doesn't win their conference championship and will get in, um, and that's Alabama. If they, you know, I, I, I just seriously foresee that, and that's unfortunate because that fourth spot can be a critical spot. But what I'm hoping in, like, one of the scenarios you talked about when you talk about, um, say, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, if Oklahoma runs the table and they beat Baylor in the Big, Ten, the Big 12 championship, it is what it is. But then you take in consideration the loss, say, let's just say, let's just throw it out for Oregon. Um, wins the Pac-12. And then their loss becomes against a strong Auburn SEC team. However, Oklahoma's loss becomes against uh, Kansas State. You see what I'm saying? Weighing the options back and forth. I mean, the truth comes down to it. They just need to have more teams. That's just what it comes down to. But until we get to that point, somebody is going to be heartbroken. Someone's going to be left out. And I'm hoping that, as we talked about, if these two Pac-12 teams run the table and everything, the chips fall in front of them. Because, look, I think LSU can beat Alabama. And I think LSU can possibly win the SEC championship. But we already know the playoff is not going to exclude the SEC champion. So that's one spot taken. And you know, you know, and I and I know that you're going to have a hard time not putting Alabama in the conversation, um, no matter how many games. They, I mean, if they lose and don't play an SEC championship, you already know that's not going to happen. So we talked about Huntley's substantial improvement. Have you seen the same thing out of Herbert? And obviously, he's a senior. Yes, but the the big thing for Herbert that that um, is the the pro prospect and, and the concussion issues and the injuries issues. But I have seen that development out of Herbert. Um, he's more. You see the problem that the NFL scouts and talking to a lot of people I hear. The problem is is that there's a transition in the realm of quarterback, especially when you talk about guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, uh, and their ability to run on the next level, the Russell Wilson. So you have a lot of people who are looking forward to that. But Herbert's one of those throwback, prototypical standing tall in the pocket, Peyton Manning's, those type of guys. So you still have a lot of scouts and a lot of teams that are looking for that. With that draft potential or that draft preview being on the horizon, it'll be interesting to see. But I have seen the same amount of development and and maturity out of Herbert. That's why I think, you know, know, projecting – I think it's, it would be uh, beneficial if Eason from Washington comes back for his senior year. So I'm curious, and it's a long way out to handicap the game. There could certainly be injuries between now and then, and teams can get better between now and then. But when they do the playoff, they do the whole comparative schedule. And Auburn, Oregon played Auburn and right. played them tough and didn't yeah. seal the deal when they could have, would have, should have. And they blew out USC and they edged Washington. Utah doesn't have an Auburn on their schedule. They lost to a USC team that Oregon blew out, and both the games mm-hmm. were in the Coliseum. And they both had close games with Washington and won. Mm-hmm. Uh, should you fans be worried about that, or do the Utes have a defensive line that's going to pressure the quarterback and be a huge equalizer, and this game lives on its own, and don't worry about the competitive score stuff? And then when you take any the intangibles of the stats, the fact that defense is leading the country, rush defense, I think that stands out. Um, I, I think potentially if you have, let's say you have a, not, a, non-blow, a good game between these two teams in the Pac-12, then I think considering how tough one another plays is going to weigh heavily on their ability to get into the college playoff spot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I think it would be – there's more to it than that, but certainly, yes, that would matter. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about a good game on uh, on national television, um, showcasing both of these teams, their strengths and their abilities to do. And if it, if it if it's a battle that goes back and forth, and then is you know it's not lopsided. Um, even if it was lopsided, depending on the resume, then you know it would probably have to be Oregon be lopsided. But if Utah came out and dominated Oregon and and did it in such a way where they completely shut down, that would that would bode well for them as well. Obviously, Lincoln, you've been around football for a long time. You've been a pillar, College Hall of Fame. You go up to Washington Stadium. Uh, I think it's called whatever, Alaska Stadium or Husky Stadium, I guess. The <laughs> basketball Stadium, is. Just call it uh, Husky Stadium. Keep it simple. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, they got all those banners. And you're So I went up there to cover the game for the, my station, brought my wife. I said, yeah, that's that guy that we talk to every week. So she was <laughs> impressed. You know, you get a big banner. So you've been around and you're playing, you're working the NFL and all this stuff. I'm wondering if this new athletic director picked up the phone and called you and said from athletic director at SC and said Lincoln what do we need to do to build a solid program because these last several years we've been hot we've been cold we've run through a slew of coaches and we certainly haven't been like we're capable of being and have been for many years what would you tell this new AD as far as building a football program that's sustainable along the, the right way over the long term I've always believed a college program, especially, takes on the identity of its head coach. And that identity is defined not only by past actions, but just by their feeling or the feel that you get does, does that person belong. When you're talking about L.A., you automatically think about the glamour and glitz. And so someone, you know, someone that might, you know, definitely would seem out of place. I mean, it's, it, I, I think Helton really has seen him out of place because he's really never gotten a fair shake. But if I was to push in the right direction, I would say, you know what, I think you guys should go after somebody like a Jack Del Rio or somebody like a Fisher who's been there, who's been through the program, who knows what SC football means to Southern California as well as to the entire country. It's hard to take on someone new. Now, the whole thing about Urban Meyer, and when we talked about this at the beginning of the season, I told you there were grumblings the moment he got the Fox job that this is what there was going to be um, looking for. And I've heard since then the reason why Lynn Swan stepped down and everything has been in turmoil is because they didn't want to support the fact of going after an Urban Meyer. They didn't think it was good for the program, especially with the past history. With that being said, he's still a hot commodity. And now that Florida State is open and Urban Meyer is still on the open seat, you already know the names that are going to be thrown around. But in order to escape just getting caught up in all the hype and do a good program, I think you need somebody who reflects on that program. And that's why I said, like, you know, the other aforementioned names of, you know, Del Rio. I think Del Rio will be a right, for the, a right fit for SC because he, he knows coaching. He knows football. He's, he's done it on a higher level and has had some success. And I think he'd be ideal. I, I don't know how he is as far as a recruiter, but, you know, you can always hire those people around you to help you get that done. You know, as we uh, as we look at some of the other successful programs and conferences, you look at the SEC. They got five teams at seven and two or better. Now I know they play eight mm-hmm. conference games, not nine, so it's a little mm-hmm. apples and oranges. But you look at the Pac-12, and there's only two teams that are better than uh, five and four right now. I guess three because Arizona State's five and three, but it still looks like. There's not going to be anybody better than eight and four, and it was a big win for Utah over Washington. But Washington's going to be eight and four, maybe seven and five. Mm-hmm. Are there any other programs that you think can get it together right away? In addition, obviously Utah and Oregon seem to have it rolling. Well, I mean, let's put it in perspective. As I said, and many times in talking to you guys, I love the Pac-12 because I love the fact that there's competition throughout. It's not just top-heavy. 
And when you look at, and I, I made the argument on my show many a times about the argument on SEC and even ACC and all the big, the, the big names, they're playing the schedule game. I mean, last week, one of the teams had Wolford on their schedule. I mean, yeah, in it's... Coastal Carolina. If you look at Alabama's schedule, they either get a bye before one of their premier big games uh, versus LSU or someone else, or they're taking on a cupcake late in the season. And there, to me, there's no reason why any school – I mean, you should be playing a cupcake in November or October. You know what I mean? But that's exactly what the schedule makers have done for these big schools. So with that being said, I think there will be a time where the committee needs to take that in consideration. I understand you have to play your league, your conference games, but when you're scheduling a cupcake or a buy between uh, premier games, and Washington did it, but it didn't work out for them. They lost to Oregon and ended up losing to Utah. Uh, you know, if you're you're not playing top five or power five conference t- uh, teams throughout the season, especially after your non-conference games, then uh, including your non-conference games, then to me it, your schedule is is, is weak. I just don't pay that that mind because these other teams aren't as good as the top tier teams on in those conferences. New Mexico State's at Ole Miss this week. 0-8 in Mexico go. State. There it is. So You see what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, it's things like that. Lincoln, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, talk to you next week as the Utes get ready for UCLA. The two teams that Kyle Winningham points out both have a clear path and don't need any help to the, uh, to the conference title game. True story. All right. Thanks <laughs> a lot, Lincoln. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. This is Lincoln Kennedy from the Pac-12 Network. Coming up next, what is trending? College basketball, Utah, BYU, Utah State had their season openers. Two of them at home, Utes on the road. We'll get to all of that next and look ahead to tonight's jazz game on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.